0: Beautiful song, oh wow, I just love that song. And the Kinsman. Kingsman used to sing that a lot. And uh, so Tara, Jen, and Kent, thank you so much. Just blesses your soul to hear that truth sung in that way. <clears throat> Couple of questions. Have you ever had an argument with anybody? Have you ever experienced conflict in relationships? And you're saying, Pastor, that's like asking me, do I need to breathe to stay alive? (laughs) Of course I've had conflict. Hasn't everybody? Yes. Now, how do you handle conflict? Whether it's in the home, at work, other relatives in the church, How do you respond? Is there a desire to glorify God in the conflict? You know, often our instinctive reactions is to devote as much energy as possible to defending ourselves and defeating the opposition, whoever that is. But I want us to consider the goal of glorifying God in conflict. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, which includes that part of our life in which there's conflict, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth, in the conflict. Don't set your mind on, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna come out on top in this disagreement. Set your mind on things above. God expects us to apply these truths and many, many others to the whole area of peacemaking. And I'm going to, my part of the preaching for the next few months will be a series called Blessed Are the Peacemakers. Pastor Dan, who's been in John MacArthur's church all week, and, uh, the Los Angeles area, enjoying himself and learning much, and I've been watching some of the live feeds uh, from the conference. He'll be doing an exposition on the book of Ephesians. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. A couple of weeks ago I preached two sermons relating to the vital area of money, possessions, and giving. At that time I said that All too many of us receive our idea of wealth and lifestyle from the world and not from the word. I'm inclined to the conclusion that we do something similar when it comes to disagreements and conflicts, that our feelings, our needs, our rights often take center stage. And the glory of God, the honor of God, the reputation of God is sort of left in the background if considered at all. God's word is always our authority, whether it's in finances. If we follow God's principles of finances, he'll bless us. If we submit to his principles in approaching conflict, he will bless us. There are three basic ways of dealing with conflict, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on those. They're in your notes there at the top. Escape responses, attack responses, and uh, conciliation responses. Uh, re- responses In attack and escape responses, we're more concerned about avoiding the conflict than resolving it. There is denial, pretending conflict does not exist, and so we do nothing about it. There's flight, we run from conflict. We end the friendship, we avoid other people, we change churches. Some people get a divorce, they quit their job. The ultimate escape, the most selfish form of escape, is suicide. And sometimes in that terrible, terrible choice, people are saying, look what you made me do. Uh, Attack responses. These kind of responses are used by people who are more interested in winning the conflict than in preserving the relationship. Their goal is conquering, not resolving. Then conciliation responses, and there's a whole list there that we could look into, but I think by far the biblical way is to overlook an offense. Don't be super sensitive. Now, I understand, and we'll deal with this in the series, that there are times when we have to confront, we must confront, we must deal with the issue. But... I have found that some things happen in church life and family life and my feelings are hurt. And I say to myself, Wayne, get over it. You know, don't don't dwell on it. Don't be so petty about this little thing. Discussion is loving confrontation, speaking the truth in love. A negotiation where both parties talk things over and come to an agreement. Mediation is when uh, Two people bring in a third party to listen to both sides of the issue. In marriage counseling, that basically is what happens. Although you cannot force either side to accept uh, what the conclusions are in terms of the one who is doing the mediating. Uh, Arbitration is even more formal. Uh, Arbitrators listen to arguments on both sides. They weigh the facts. They render a decision which is binding on both parties. It's called binding... um, arbitration. The last one is church discipline. And if someone who is in the family of God persists in a lifestyle an attitude of disobedience having been spoken to repeatedly but does not repent does not want to resolve it does not want to stop what they're doing then the Bible says that we must uh, excommunicate them from membership. Now You look at these various approaches to conflict, and uh, there's a different focus in escape response. In escape responses, the focus is on me, looking for a convenient way, a non-threatening way to deal or not deal with the issue. But the focus is on me in escape responses. In attack responses, the focus is on you, on the other person blaming you, expecting you to give in, saying that you are the reason for the problem and it's all your fault. That's attack responses, and that is very common in marriages and sometimes in churches. Conciliation responses focus on God's honor and working together based on biblical principles to bring about reconciliation. Different goals and escape responses Escape response uh, approach is based on peace-faking, peace faking, trying to make things look good when they're not good. Attack responses, people are prone to peace-breaking, willing to sacrifice peace to get their own way. In conciliation responses, the commitment is to peace-making, working hard to resolve the conflict and achieve harmony. And different results... Escape and attack responses have a predictable result, K-Y-R-G. Kiss your relationship goodbye. Uh, Conciliation response, there's a much greater likelihood of resolving the issue and experiencing true reconciliation, which glorifies God. So let's look in more now at what the Bible teaches here. If I were to define conflict in its broadest possible scope, it's a difference in opinion or purpose that frustrates someone's goals or desires. And that covers the whole gamut of disagreement, conflict, strife from minor variations in tastes to major differences. We are all different. Now that should not surprise us. I mean, we just are. One of the little uh, chuckles I get out of premarital counseling is when a couple comes in all starry-eyed in love, which is good, and I take them through a questionnaire which I've developed saying, one part is, tell me what disturbs you, what bothers you about the other person. Another part says, tell me all the positive factors of this person you plan to marry. Well, that list, that list is long. And I ask for the negative. I said, come on, be honest, tell me what bothers you, and usually there's one or two or three kind of apologetically written, and I'm thinking, come back in three months. (laughs) Come back in six months. You'll have a long list. Come back in five years. You'll have a, a real long list. One of the myths of marriage is that we're so much alike, we're always going to be happy, always going to agree. No, you won't. We all know it. But there are Uh, Some differences are natural, they're beneficial, different backgrounds, different families, different education, different experience, different priorities. We've all been shaped by different factors, so it should not alarm us or shock us when we find that in relationships we don't all agree. But also there's conflict which is not of the neutral variety, just merely differences in in taste or ways in which we approach things. James chapter, one, James chapter 4, verse 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not your, the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust, you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious, you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Anytime we're in conflict with someone else, it's a time to examine our hearts, to examine our motives. Conflict should not always be viewed as an aggravation, as an inconvenience, as something that we want to win to get our own way, but rather it's an opportunity to examine our hearts and come to God and seek his wisdom and his strength. This is a radical view of conflict that we need to adopt as believers because it is biblical. So we need to glorify God in conflict, we can serve other people in conflict, and we can grow more like Christ in conflict. Every situation we face, positive, negative, good, bad, joyful, sorrowful, every situation is an opportunity to glorify God, no exceptions. In conflict, you have a chance to show that you love and respect and trust God. Will I submit to his truth? Will I ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to me? Will I learn? Will I be patient? Will I become a testimony to other people in this conflict, or will I just blow my stack? So in conflict, you can trust God We don't, and we shouldn't, we don't need to, and we shouldn't take matters into our own hands. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So in conflict, don't lean on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. See, that's the danger, pride in conflict. I know how to solve it. I know what I want. And this is, what, this is my agenda. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So, trust God in conflict. Uh, obey God in conflict. John 17:4. Jesus in his high priestly prayer said this, I glorified God you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So by accomplishing the work that God gave Christ to do, he glorified his heavenly Father. And by accomplishing the work that God has given us to do, we glorify God. If he, uh, John fifteen eight. my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to me to be my disciples. What fruit is Jesus talking about? How do we prove that we are the disciples of the Lord and what fruit, what evidence does he, is he expecting? Well, I am sure it's the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the compassion, the mercy, the forgiveness, the self-control. And when we manifest these characteristics, we give proof positive that we are we are disciples of Jesus Christ because we're learning from him. We are following him. James, uh, to return to, to James again, tells us that there are two kinds of wisdom available to us as we approach life and deal with conflict. He says in James 3, verse 13, Who among you is wise and understanding? He let him show by his good behavior his deeds, his gentleness, the gentleness of wisdom. So that's the one side. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and everything evil. We know that. But the wisdom from above, listen to this, is pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's reasonable, it's full of mercy and good fruits two different ways to approach any situation. And when we obey God, of course, we approach that situation through the power of the Spirit and the wisdom that he has revealed to us. God gives us the strength. He gives us even the desire and then the strength to forgive those who have wronged us. Some people, when they're in a very difficult disagreement, a situation of strife, they will conclude, it's impossible for me to love that person. It's impossible for me to be reconciled to that person. It's just impossible. To which the Apostle Paul would say to us, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Difficult? Absolutely. Very, very, very difficult, but not impossible. So, you can trust God, you can obey God, you can imitate God. That's what authentic godliness is all about. It is about being Christ-like, imitating Christ, imitating God. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So, what is the nature of that imitation of God? Walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you, and gave himself up for us. 1 John 2, 6, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked, referring to Jesus. Now, seeking to glorify God, of course, has benefits in our relationship to God, in our relationship to others, but in terms of ourselves, it prevents us from becoming a slave to our emotions. It, it prevents us from saying I have to be bitter because I feel bitter. I have to act this way because of how I feel. We become a slave to emotions. And it makes us less dependent on results. We may do everything in our power to seek reconciliation with someone else and they don't want it. It takes two to reconcile. But we're not responsible for their responses to us, their reactions to us. If we go about it in a God-honoring way and they still dig in their heels and they still remain mad and antagonistic, we're not responsible to make them change. We're responsible to be patient and pray for them. But if we do what we know we should do, that'll bring a great measure of peace to our own soul. It's an opportunity to serve other people. Conflict provides an opportunity to love our enemies, to pray for those who treat us unjustly, to do good for those who oppose us. And we all have some of those people in our life. Now that sounds absurd from a human point of view, but that's biblical, that's what Jesus taught, that is what we are to do, Luke chapter 6, 27 and uh, 28. So how do we serve other people in conflict? we may be able to help them find a better answer to their problems. People, including you and I, we're people, we fall into habits of responding. And we don't think of what we're doing, we just do it. We get upset and we blast away or we do what we do. We just always done it that way. If we respond in a mature manner when someone's doing that to us, we may be able to help them be more thoughtful, more reflective, and less impulsive in how they're dealing with the conflict with us. A soft answer turns away wrath, the Book of Proverbs said. So, help others find solutions. I, my heart sometimes, I get upset, but my heart sometimes grieves for people who are always mad at something. I mean, they're really, really mad. And when an issue is not the way they want it, they just react. And that's how they go through life. And they alienate people. They hurt people. Help those who oppose us by providing spiritual, emotional, and physical uh, assistance. Uh, Galatians Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 6. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Down in verse 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Sometimes people become aggressive and angry and upset and confrontational because of some stress or hardship or physical suffering which is taking place within their lives. And we need to demonstrate tremendous understanding and patience in those situations. However, I see nothing in Scripture that says, Wayne, if you feel miserable, you can act miserable. I don't see that in the Bible. I realize we must give people allowance at times because of physical things going on, because of other issues that they're facing, which is bringing and upheaval within their hearts. But I don't want us ever to say, because this is going on, I don't have to obey God. I can be as miserable and grouchy as I want to be because I have this problem. Because the Apostle Paul had all kinds of problems, all kinds of persecution, all kinds of suffering and opposition, but he sought to glorify God in those. Then we help others learn perhaps where they are wrong and need to change. And I'll be very careful here because this is where the confrontation part comes into conflict and we'll deal with that in detail in a future message. But, and I'm not suggesting because I've been guilty of this that we start preaching at the other person who is in conflict with us. But the Bible does tell us to exhort one another. The Bible does tell us to um, speak to one another to speak the truth to one another and maybe we can do this it takes courage it takes boldness because we don't know what the reaction will be when we, when we do that but if we're going to involve in some kind of confrontation or criticism toward the other person or spouse or someone else that we have a conflict with That should come out of a habit of praising, of a habit of of affirming and commending. As a a pastor, I am much more inclined to listen to people who are, are affirming over the long haul and then come to me and say, Pastor, you upset me about something, and people do say that to me. I'm much more likely to listen to them if it comes out of a habit of affirming me. Because I know that they're just not mad and just reacting. Something I said or did bothers them. If we're the kind of people who will not accept rebuke, especially in marriage, but in the church and in other contexts, if we say, nobody better corrupt, uh, a corrupt, cor- correct me or approach me or challenge me or suggest that I do something different than what I'm doing, nobody better say that to me or I'll get upset. We have a problem, a problem of pride, a problem of insecurity. He who neglects discipline despises himself. He who listens to reproof acquires understanding. I hope you're not the kind of person that everybody who knows you says, don't talk to them, don't speak to them, don't challenge them, don't corrupt them, they're going to get mad at you. Don't be that kind of person. Be mature enough to listen and learn. And best of all, we may provide an opportunity for someone to come to faith in Jesus Christ by responding properly in a difficult uh, situation. First Peter chapter uh, 3 talks about a woman who's married to a non-Christian. And basically what Peter says is don't preach at the man, love him. Be gracious, be kind, be gentle. Show the beauty of of an inner um, character to him. Present a good example of what a Christian is. And parents, of course, we must ask what kind of witness are we to our children? A few years ago, not too many years ago, our daughter Linda phoned she was talking to me on the phone, and for some reason, she asked this question. Dad, do you and Mom ever argue? And I don't know how the question came up, but that was her question. Do you ever fight? And then she said something that blessed my heart. In all the years of growing up in the home, I never seen you argue. You and Mom argue. Never saw you argue. I said, well, boy, we did it in secret then, didn't we? <laughs> did we disagree? Strongly at times, we, we disagree." But it, it, was, it was a blessing to me that Linda, that's our youngest daughter, would say, Dad, we grew up in an environment where Mom and Dad were not at each other. They were not fighting. And I said, well, thank you, Lord. We did something right. We have an opportunity in, in difficulty to grow to be like Christ. And believe me, that, that, is, that is the goal of our lives. The goal that God has for us is not our prosperity. It's not our comfort. It's not even our happiness. It's our holiness. It's to become more like Jesus. So we read in Romans 5, we also exult in tribulation. So here's difficulty, okay? We exult in tribulation. We're not mad about it. We're not screaming to God about it. We exult in tribulation, spoken by a man that knew about tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance because we need faith to endure it. Perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. So there is a growth process taking place. Another reference, it's in uh, 2 Corinthians 3, and your notes say 8, it should be 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, that we go from glory to glory to glory. We mature to be more like Jesus Christ. Uh, Conflict. Stress, difficulties, hardships, affliction gives us an opportunity to grow in our spiritual life. In fact, we grow best. I found this. When I'm under a lot of stress, when things aren't going well, my prayer life takes off. Maybe yours does too. And probably I'm more reflective. I'm I'm pondering more the truth of God. I'm closer to God. When things go well, sadly, I try to slack off. I tend to slack off. And that's not good. I'm not recommending that at all. Conflict provides, stress and trials provide an opportunity to to grow to be like Christ. We call this process the ABC of spiritual growth. Adversity builds character. Adversity builds character. So I close with these comments. Some practical things. Summarize the conflict as you perceive it. What is the main issue? What are the main issues Attack the problem, not the person. What have you done that may have made the conflict worse? What are your attitudes? What about your words? Our words are to minister grace to those who hear us. Are your words doing that? What about your reactions and actions? What constructive things have you done to try to resolve the conflict? What has been your primary goal in this whole thing of the disagreement? What are you seeking to achieve? What are you moving toward? Winning or resolving? Exalting yourself or exalting God? Don't constantly be pointing the finger of blame. If you and I get into a mindset whereby the reason I am not happy, the reason I am miserable, the reason my life is so terrible is because of you and you and you and you. There's no solution to that because you and you and you and you may never change. (laughs) You see the problem there? We are counting on the rest of the world to shape up to make us happy happy and that isn't going to happen very unlikely at least so examine your own heart so how can you glorify God so pray Lord help me to be more concerned about your reputation than my feelings how can you serve others through this conflict Lord this is an opportunity to serve this person to love this person they right now are my enemy how can I serve them because you tell me to do that And how can I grow to be more like Christ through this conflict? So returning to our our key verse, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, that's all-encompassing. Whatever you do or say, whatever part of your life you're talking about, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Conflict, rightly handled, can glorify God. Let us pray. Father, we have a struggle here, at least I do. And we need to get honest about this. You have not placed any of us in environments where everybody is acting the way we think they should act. We're just not in that environment we thankful for those who love us and appreciate us and affirm us and Lord we just are so grateful for those people but even in those kind of relationships there are moments of trial and difficulty and strife may we look at scripture look at our hearts look at truth depend upon the Holy Spirit may we approach these relationships in a way that will glorify your name, that your reputation, because that's more important than ours, your reputation, your honor, will be upheld. And you will enable us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.